no zero none ever from the land of the free and the home of the chiefs with two-man coverage of the red and gold this is the locked on chiefs podcast part of the locked on podcast network welcome back to locked on chiefs we got a great show for you one that you asked for and we're going to talk to Josh Briscoe from ESPN Kansas City here in just a couple of minutes. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. Get all that information done so that you don't miss anything. We appreciate all your ideas. And this particular show came from you. We're going to give a rest to uh, some of our normal Friday kind of antics. Uh, we will get back to your questions and your uh, voicemails and Twitters and everything next week uh, as we try to clean up. But for right now... Uh, you gave us a great idea. We were able to follow through on it. And so uh, right now, why don't we get to the interview? And folks, you asked for it. You're going to get it right now. Josh Briscoe is going to join us. We're doing uh, a recording across uh, you know, two states here. I'm out in Colorado and the guys are in Kansas. So Josh, thanks for joining us. Happy to do it. I'm, I'm in the absolutely frozen confine of Overland Park that I'm in right now. So everything is just ice and terrible. But I'm, I'm glad to talk to you guys. Well, hey, don't don't venture out when we have stuff we can talk about. That's just right. perfect. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, perfect podcast weather. And there's plenty to talk about right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we should probably start, I mean, topic of the day. We don't need to waste too much time on it. But, I mean, is there any reason to trade Marcus Peters at all in your eyes, Josh? No, no, zero, <laughs> none, ever. Uh, man, I got a tweet today, and this was this was hard because I try really hard not to. I don't want to like belittle anybody for their opinions or like seeing different things because God knows that I don't watch as much tape as the next guy, and that not everybody gets to watch as much as I get to watch and everything. But somebody was like, Marcus Peter, he's a he's a cancer, and he doesn't play any defense, and that was for me. I think <laughs> that was the end of me being able to talk about this without pulling my hair out. Like, that's just where it's going to be for some people. For some people, it's just going to be a, a nuisance for some personal reason or another, and you won't ever be able to actually bring the facts to the table. So, but let me. No, he's, he's exactly what this team needs. And I'm not disagreeing with that, but let me play devil's advocate for a minute. If the team knows they can't sign him, you make a trade right now. See, I if if the team did have a reason to believe that, if if Peters had said that to them, which I think seems very unlikely, I think also we probably would have said something similar to that for Travis Kelsey uh, back whenever he was in a similar situation. But if that was the case, you wouldn't even trade Marcus Peters now. You'd wait till next off season. He's going to make three million dollars this year. He's a crazy value, and we've seen him obviously have. If if you have like an effort concern. He obviously cares. That's been part of the problem, how much he seems to care sometimes. I don't think you're in any danger of not getting a full season of Marcus Peters this year. You trade him next year after you have your fifth-year option on him, and then if, if he's not going to re-sign with you, then you make the, the shipment out somewhere else. Trading him this year doesn't make any sense to me. I have to completely agree with you. I mean, he allowed 409 yards in coverage. That's like half of what Terrence Mitchell allowed last season. So there's, <laughs> there's absolutely no reason to not lock down half the field. Yes. Yeah. It's and again, it's it fits exactly into what Brett Veach is trying to do right now, which is find youth and value. And now it, I admit that the the value that Marcus Peters will have a couple years from now will be less than his value right now as that number goes up. And I, we can have some really interesting conversations about what that contract should look like and everything whenever we get a little closer to that. Um, but as of right now, he he is the the Patrick Mahomes of the defense as far as the value and and production that you expect to get from that guy. So I, I think this year. It would be absolutely stunning to me 
if they did trade him. And it would be because they had found something out in private that we don't have any real reason to assume is the case right now. That's how I feel, too. And, you know, I, I get a lot of tweets about the fact that, that vet, Brett Veach is being so aggressive, and that's great. Mm-hmm. He should be. Mm-hmm. Um, but go, being aggressive and getting fuller and going out and signing uh, Amerson, which is a whole different conversation, mm-hmm. that doesn't tell me that they're ready to move on. It, it no. tells me that they're trying to give him some cohorts that can hold down the side opposite him. Yes. A hundred percent. I agree 100 percent with that. Yes. It's building around Marcus Peters, not preparing to ship him out. Yeah. And now if, if Fuller ends up being a little bit of a safety net, if, if Peters ends up demanding too much money whenever that contract has to be signed again, then that's a conversation you have whenever that's getting there. And the Chiefs are going to be using Fuller either way. And also Fuller is going to be a free agent the same time Peters is one of those guys. At least one of those guys has to get paid. Um, and right now there's no one in the NFL that you'd rather pay a corner than, than Marcus Peters. So. Well, yeah, I, I think that I think that's an off-season story. Yeah, and I don't disagree. I, I don't think you trade him right now, but I will say that I get the thought process if he's come up. I mean, at this point, he can actually start talking about a new contract because he's been in the league three years. So it is mm-hmm. something that they have to consider yes. now at this point. And honestly, they would be smart to do it now as opposed to waiting and him having another big year in 18 if they were going to try to extend yes. him. But if he's already talking an yes. outlandish number right now, that would be the only reason that that I could see that they would make a trade. But the value there that they would yeah. have to get would have to be very, very large. And I, I'm not exactly sure what that would be. Yeah, and at this point, also because the Chiefs can control him for the next two years uh, with a, with whenever they pick up the fifth-year option, which will absolutely happen this offseason, Peters is in a little bit of a tough place to negotiate. So I would be thinking right now, and I would say this, I guess just I will say this, I think there's a better chance he signs a contract extension uh, than that he gets traded this offseason. Yeah, I have to feel the same way. And the, the guy that's got to write that contract is really – you know, there's a lot of talk about Brett Veach, and there should be. He's a young guy. He stepped into a role with a guy who was, had a proven track record. Um, but, and, and we don't need to talk about all the minutiae, but just I just want your guys' opinion. Like, are you happy? Are you comfortable with what he's doing? If he goes out on a limb, are you along for the ride, or are you cautious? Well, I think you look at I – don't, I don't know how we decide who goes first. Do we rock, paper, scissors? <laughs> I was just going to say, I think that you look at what John Dorsey's track record was. It was great in the draft. Uh, he did okay in free agency, but he was horrible at contracts. Uh, and that has really cost Kansas mm-hmm. City for the past couple of seasons. And I think they're finally going to be getting around that. Uh, that's why I would try to extend Peters now if you really could, because I think his value is going to be higher. If you're already going to be doing the extension, it really cost him with Justin Houston and Eric Berry. But for me, I'm along for the ride because at this point, uh, the trades he's made has been have been phenomenal. Yeah, I am a hundred percent on board the Brett Veach train at this point. Uh, I'll get as close to the engine as possible. If I can conduct the train, I'll do it. Because the <laughs> the thing that Veach seems to get right now is that the NFL is one hundred percent a value game. And now I think we lose sight of that a little bit because having a great quarterback is kind of a cheat code through that. Like the, the, the Packers have not been playing the value game very well. The Packers have not been a terribly well-run organization outside of one position for the last decade or so. But you have that position at such a high level and it covers up all the warts. Brett Veach is making moves now that make me believe that he understands exactly how valuable it is to not have long-term t- uh, contracts tied up with, with big free agents, and obviously free agency will see more of that. But going to get in and getting a guy like Kendall Fuller, 
people were, were talking whenever the Alex Smith trade came through about like, oh, it's it's a it's a pick and a player. What about Josh Norman? And we go, well, no, I'd much rather have Kendall Fuller than Josh Norman because he's making eight hundred grand the next couple of seasons. And so I, I think everything we've seen from Brett Veach so far, he understands the value of getting good value. So with that mindset, I'm a hundred percent in on him. The value of getting the value of getting good value. I like the way you put that. You guys can have that. That's for free. That one's that one's just out there. <laughs> That's a drop. So, but along those lines, does that make you think, especially with the value part of it in mind and and knowing what their needs are, does that put them out of free agency for the remainder and concentrating on the draft in your eyes? Or do you think you still got a few more rapids to pull? No, for, I think they're definitely going to be able to spend some more. I, I don't. I won't go through all the math, but they can create something like. I mean, pretty conservatively, they, they can create twenty to thirty million dollars in cap space. Um, and then you have the Alex Smith deal, which you know moves that number depending on what what you're looking at currently. But once Alex Smith's off the books, they can be like thirty million dollars under the cap whenever free agency hits. No first round pick. They're not going to have a ton of money tied up in the draft. They're going to have plenty of spending that they can do in free agency. What I think is going to be really interesting is to see how. They do it. Is it going to be deals like the David Amerson thing, where you're doing short-term deals with kind of risk-reward guys that you can get out of that deal if it goes poorly? They did that with the Rel Revis, honestly. Or are you going to be able to try to, you know, back up the truck to a guy who's going to fundamentally reshape your defense, like a Sheldon Richardson or something like that? Uh, that's the question that I have. Not if they'll spend. They're going to spend. They're going to have money to spend, hopefully, on an outside linebacker and then everything else after that. But they're going to have money to spend. What'll be interesting is to figure out how they divvy it up. Is it for a, a major overhaul or for, you know, one or two big positional shifts? Well, I can argue that the only question I would be is, is it possible that they look at this coming year as more of a transitional year and they decide, okay, well, we're not going to spend this year. We're going to roll that going into next year, knowing that they're going to have, I mean, they have Mitch Morse that they're going to have to pay. They're going to have to pay Marcus Peters if they keep him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, eventually they'll have to pay Kendall Fuller. There's a laundry list of guys that are going to be coming up for contracts in the next couple of years that they're going to need a bunch of money for. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's part of the mindset now where I do think this team is going to try to contend as much as possible this year. And frankly, in the AFC West, as it's currently constituted, I think they will contend for the division. Uh, but I, I do think that they're not going to make any moves that you might have seen in the uh, Alex Smith era where you say, mm, this might not be the best thing for a year or two years from now, but it helps us right now. Brett Veach, even if he's not considering next year as more important than this upcoming year, uh, they're at least very, very conscious of it. So I think if there are moves like that, it's likely to be guys who you say, he'll be helpful this year, but he's really going to come into his own in 2019. Uh, and, and especially have the structures of the contracts kind of play to that also. But no, I do think that's a good call. Uh, also, I think it makes it more likely that the Chiefs do spin on some of their own guys this offseason, wherever that's appropriate. Well, and where to spend that money is important. That's that's the next thing I want to ask you guys about. I'm looking particularly at trying to support the young quarterback. I've got a couple of thoughts in terms of the draft, but when you guys look particularly at the pass catchers, with uh, with Chris Conley scheduled to come back from a fairly significant injury, uh, do you feel at this point uh, Albert Wilson, should they retain him as enough, or should they be looking for somebody else on the outside? Go ahead, Josh. I know where you're going on this one. Okay. Uh, yes. Okay. So the Chris Conley thing is uh, wild to me because I didn't realize this until I was sort of stumbling through over the cap and spot track and everything. Wait a second. 
Chris Conley's a free agent after this season. Mm-hmm. I can't believe we're not talking about this more often. Uh, so Albert Wilson, I could give or take. I, if he comes back at a, at a, you know, slightly below market value for a slot receiver, that's fine. I, I have my skepticisms, but I'm not super uh, emphatic either direction. Wait a second. I thought, but Chris Conley. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I thought you were going a different direction on that. I thought you were all about re-signing Albert Wilson. No, I, I think that the stat, I think it was Pete Sweeney who pulled up a really interesting stat about how good Albert Wilson was in limited snaps with Pat Mahomes. And so that does sort of pique my interest. Um, but I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent in or out. I, I think, honestly, I think he's a pretty, uh, replaceable slot talent. Uh, again, he had a really nice season here last year. You know, I guess the season before last year, he did almost nothing. Um, and so I'm not, I'm not willing to put in a bunch of money either side on Albert Wilson. I'm not, I'm just not super emphatic either direction. Also, the Conley thing is the one that's interesting to me. I think they need to be bringing in someone who can contend for that number two receiver spot on the outside, uh, and who can who can really be challenging Conley more than Demarcus Robinson, who I do like, but as probably as a number three or four, and and Jay Chesson, who's never done anything. Uh, Chris Conley needs to not only have some competition for this year. There needs to be a plan for if Chris Conley's not back next year, because right now I don't know why you would think he would be. Yeah, I mean, I think that competition, obviously, in a contract year is going to bring out the best in him, but that doesn't mean that he's going to be willing to come back. Should he be a fully recovered and explode and actually finally reach some of his potential, i got to think for a guy his size with his speed and his characteristics, there's going to be a heck of a market out there for him. So I agree. they got to find somebody that they're going to have long term. Yes. Well, and I will disagree with both of you. I think Chris Conley is going to be that guy because I think what you're going to see this season is Pat Mahomes using wide receivers like Alex Smith never did. Mm-hmm. Chris Conley is a classic wide receiver that Alex Smith is not going to throw the ball to very often, and uh, I don't think either of you would disagree with me on that. That's part of the reason that I'm okay if they let Albert Wilson go and don't spend the money because I don't see the value there uh, when you're going to have a guy in Pat Mahomes that's going to throw the ball in tighter spaces and give his wide receivers a chance to make a play. I do agree with you on that. I, I am really interested to see this year of Conley. I don't want to run him out of town right now because uh, I do want to see how he performs with Mahomes. But even even with that mindset, I think it makes it easier to say that the Chiefs should be looking to add another pass catcher who's not Albert Wilson. And then if it's a guy who, if, if Conley doesn't produce this year, and then you have another option for a guy who can step in, then you don't worry about re-signing Chris Conley next year. If Conley plays well and you've invested in someone new, then you just have, you know, a full group of receivers for the first time in the history of the franchise. So either way, I'd, I'd be on board with that. <laughs> but what if you went a different direction and went tied in instead of wide receiver? I love Travis Kelsey, but don't you think that mm-hmm. not having anybody that is a realistic backup to him could be a bigger detriment than maybe Chris Conley and Demarcus Robinson being your starting wide receivers? I can see that, especially with obviously how much Andy Reid loves his tight ends and loves his second tight ends. Uh, and there are a couple names that have bounced around a little bit. I saw Virgil Green's name pop up somewhere. I'm assuming that there are some guys in the draft that are probably much sexier names than Virgil Green. Uh, I mean, his name, like his literal name is Virgil, which is tough. Uh, but I, I think that, I think that that would be uh, a perfect fit for a Reid offense. Assuming it could work for a Mahomes offense, we'll try to figure out what that means together. What is a Mahomes read offense? Um, and, and how much would that second tight end actually get used? But I think the one, one MO we've seen of Andy Reid for a while is that he's a guy who's going to find playmakers and then make spots for them in his offense. And if there's a tight end that comes across the board that fits that, uh, that mold, I think it would make a lot of sense. Yes. 
you know, this this offseason is going to be geared around the defense because of all the, the glaring holes. And we know that Youngtown's going to come in through the draft. It's probably going to be, um, I think, more than 50% of their draft picks will be on the defensive side of the ball. And I think what that's led to is is the one conversation that isn't happening that I'm, I'm really interested to see what you guys think is I'm concerned about the left guard spot. I don't know that there's going to be a quality player because of the strength or the lack of strength of this draft class. And I think that has to be a position that they have to go out and find a free agent. There's a couple good ones out there. Do you guys think that should be a priority or just, just kind of wait on and see what happens? Chris, you want to take this one first? I'm going to pull up some, some things I've already written down so I can be informed. Ooh. No, that's fine. Uh, I will say, you know, we were recording this a little early. It was just announced that uh, Josh Sitton is actually being released by the Bears. Uh, he was due eight million in this off season or this next season. Um, I would think he would be an opportunity or a guard that could step in and be very good. I can't remember if he's a right or a left guard. Uh, that does matter. Um, so forgive me on not knowing that off the top of my head. Uh, I do think it's a position that they need to fi- they need to figure out if they have a piece that's going to be that guy. Uh, which it's to me, it's really hard to plan around Parker Iyengar with mm-hmm. what we saw from him last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do think it's something that they need to address. But I think it's something they could address in the draft uh, if there's not going to be a guy there that's going to be a lot of value. Yeah, I'm gonna say. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you're you're fine. I was just giving giving you more time to look up your stuff. My only problem with no, Sidney is 31 <laughs> years old, and I think they got to get somebody in there uh, that they can be a, a piece for the future to build around. As your tackles are getting older, and you're going to have to look at re-signing your center soon and that kind of thing. I think they need another major piece in there, and, and I wonder uh, if a guy that's you know mid 20s that's got experience in the league isn't the best route to fix this offensive line group. Yeah, and so I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of in that direction, but I'm even probably farther on the on the laissez faire side for the left guard spot specifically, because if they're going to invest in the offensive line, I, I do think very soon it's going to have to be that left tackle spot. Hopefully not the right tackle spot for a little while longer, but it, you know as linemen age, it, it you know they kind of age in in double time. But for this year specifically. I'm actually not horribly worried about the left guard spot. I am by no means in love with Brian Witzman, um, and and I don't know about Parker Anger being able to to be at, to play at the level that we saw him playing at a little bit not this last season but the year prior before his injury. But I'd be interested in seeing. I definitely would see the price at least for Zach Fulton, uh, and I'd be interested in bringing him back. Maybe even considering. I people have talked about Mitch Morse being a natural fit at guard, and that Fulton is better at center than guard. I believe in the second part for sure. Um, but I, I'd be okay with sort of letting that group of guys battle it out. A, a Morse, not well, keep Morse at center if you'd like, but an, an Anger Witzman potentially Zach Fulton battle for those for that uh, left guard starter spot. And you have a couple of depth guys there. Patrick Mahomes is 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 going to impact what you look for as far as your needs. He's obviously not as shook by pressure as Alex Smith is. He's better at keeping his eyes up under pressure. And with that being said, I think he'll be able to compensate for a little bit of a weak spot at one of those five offensive line spots. Also something worth considering, Eric Fisher, the, the best Eric Fisher's ever looked was whenever he was playing next to Parker Anger. And I don't know, I don't know what it was that held Anger back so far. Uh, throughout all of last season, but I think there might be more to that story that we haven't seen yet. I have to agree with that too. It makes me wonder about the future, his future with the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think Fisher's looked the best next to any guard that was better than Witzman was last year. 
I, I think generally yeah. when he's had good play next to him, he's he's looked pretty mm-hmm. good. Uh, not great, maybe, but you know, above average at least if he's had somebody that he trusts next to him. Uh, but I don't think he's had that most of the seasons he's played in Kansas City. Uh, and maybe I'm just overly concerned because I just – whether it's being able to run the ball in short yardage better to protect Mahomes or just giving him time to do his thing, uh, a lot of folks are of the opinion that, that he is just – less flappable than Smith was, and that's fine. Uh, but I, I think investing in in more protection for him is always a good idea. Uh, and lastly, that brings me to something that we had a, a short Twitter conversation about, and that is how best to build or rebuild uh, the running back group behind Kareem Hunt as your mainstay. Uh, and the question that, that still rings in my mind that a lot of people don't seem to agree with me on is is that a third down back still has a role in Andy Reid's offense and that you don't necessarily want Kareem Hunt being that guy. Chris, do you think that they need to, to either substantially upgrade from West or or look in on a completely different t- direction for a third down back, or do you think it's not important? Well, I think it's important. Uh, you know, I, I actually was talking about that earlier today on Twitter myself. I think it's an important position um, mainly because it's supposed to be somebody that's shift here. I think Akeem Hunt is really the guy that you would want to be that guy to be your third third down back if it's not uh, Charkander Quest. But I could also see using Spencer Ware in that role uh, in more of a pass-catching and pass-blocking type role. Um, but I definitely don't want Kareem Hunt. I don't want Kareem Hunt to be a Le'Veon Bell uh, because I don't think that that's going to be in his best interest long term. And Josh, do you yeah, see Chris, the same I think Andy Yeah, I think Andy Reid agrees with you on that. Uh I, because I think one of the reasons that we ended up getting such an infuriating lack of Kareem Hunt in certain spells of, of last season was because Andy Reid didn't want to put, you know, two hundred thousand miles on those legs right away. I, I, though, I think that losing Spencer Ware was a huge problem for that backfield. Obviously, it freed up Kareem Hunt to be a Rookie of the Year candidate. Uh, but I think that going forward, if you if you believe in the return of Spencer Ware, just simply from a health perspective, I believe in him as a player, then I think your number two running back spot is, is just fine in his hands. But I, at this point... I think you'd be a fool not to think that Andy Reid is at least going through all of the tape of every little quick running back in the draft. Because uh, a- Andy Reid always ends up with one of those guys. There's always somebody. You don't know exactly how they'll evolve. But for a minute, we thought it was even it was Tyreek Hill. Obviously, he's evolved into much more than that. But there's always going to be a guy like that that Andy Reid, I think, nudges the, G- the GM, no matter who it is, and says, hey. Let's go ahead and bring that guy in. I can do something with him that's going to change this scope. And so if it's a guy that can do that in a third down back roll, I think it would make, a, make plenty of sense for this team. Yeah. Okay. And now's the capper because, Josh, I don't know where you stand on this one. And, and I am ke- I'm okay. keen to figure it out. Do they have to have a fullback? And does Anthony Sherman need to be that fullback? Oh, God. <laughs> no. Oh, come no, on. I don't think. And th- I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't think in 2018 you need to have a fullback. <sighs> you know the best, the best fullback, the most impactful fullback on this team in the Andy Reid era has been a nose tackle. Like Dontari Poe's the best fullback this team has had. <sighs> now I, I, I would be willing, more than willing, to try to use that roster space elsewhere. I know he's a good special teamer, but I don't think that, I don't think you pay a special teamer that salary. Although, what was his most recent number? I want to say it was just over a million, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That meant, yeah. See, it's a deal. Uh, if he, 
If they if they if they bring him back, it'll be it'll be because Dave Tobe asked nicely. I I I, I don't understand. No, I don't understand why Andy Reid's offense needs a fullback so badly. Okay, now I, I know where I stand on this, but I have to ask you, Josh. Uh, and I know Ryan obviously thinks he wants Sherman back. Do you think Spencer Ware could play that position in a pinch? Oh, that's interesting. I don't know. I haven't thought about. Uh, I mean, it makes sense from a knowledge base standpoint. Uh, obviously, he doesn't have the the type of you know years of experience going through that. Uh, I think that I I think that he's certainly more valuable as an actual running back. Um, and I think that you can you can work your way around that. Didn't Demet- did Demetrius Harris get a couple of snaps at fullback for some reason at some point in the last couple of years? Am I making that up? I don't remember that. Or- Orson Charles got Maybe snaps at fullback that. in training camp last year. Okay. Uh, but Maybe Spencer- that's it then. Maybe that's what I was thinking. But Spencer Ware actually came to Kansas City as a fullback. Right. Yeah. So no, no, that makes sense. Uh, that, yeah. That's kind of where I'm coming from is that you can put both those guys in that set and just because he's playing in a fullback role doesn't necessarily mean he has to be just that guy. Uh, I just think he has value there um, that makes Anthony Sherman expendable. And also, if if you are using the fullback less and less, as every team in, in football is right now, uh, then you, you're able to use Spencer Ware in that role five times a game, maybe. Right. That's fine. I can live with that. And also, it, occasionally you give him the ball out of one of those two back sets, and the defense is not trying to tackle a fullback. They're trying to tackle an actual running back. So I, I have no problem with that at all. The question is, does he look that good in an American flag tank top? That's the question. Yeah. That's a great. That's a great question. I guess we'll have to find out. I don't know if it's possible. <laughs> I don't know if that's, if that's humanly possible. Ryan, that's all I'm going to say. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, hey, got to have a little bit of fun, um, man. This has been great, Josh. Thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. Is there any parting gifts you want to give us? Things that you're looking out for? Oh, I don't know. I mean, just watching Patrick Mahomes become the best quarterback in football this year is going to be really fun. Uh, <laughs> that ascent to the top, I think, will be a good time. No, I mean, I, I think that appreciating Brett Veach's eye for finding youth and value at the same time is super important throughout this offseason. And uh, we'll see if Bob Sutton can uh, can cook up what Andy Reid apparently thinks he can cook up whenever he has better pieces. But no, I mean, listen, I you can't possibly be more excited for anything other than Pat Mahomes. That's that's where the, the bread is buttered right now. <laughs> I agree. And it'll be fun to watch. Folks, make sure you check out Josh. I know you listen to him on the radio. Check out his Twitter as well. And uh, this is great. We'll hopefully do it again. And thanks for listening to us today. And, Josh, thanks for being with us. Happy to do it. Love talking to you guys. Hopefully I'll get you one of you, maybe both of you, I don't know, over to, to my side of the, the digital wall sometime soon. That sounds good. And that's it for us this week, folks. Thanks for being with us. The Combine starts next week. I'll be out of town, but we will have shows for you all week long. So don't give up on us, and we'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Chiefs podcast. While you're out there, give us a rating or review. And reach out to us on Twitter, at Ryan Tracy NFL and at Chris Clark NFL. We'll talk to you next time.